Hello, everybody. It's Christmas time. It's actually really feeling like Christmas where I am right now. I am Jan Arden. This is the Jan Arden podcast and show. I'm here with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. We are in our respective homes. There's more lockdown here in Calgary, Alberta. Finally, finally, they have locked us all down. And it is about time because people were dying. Um, <laughs> thank you. CC Peniston should do a remix of that. <laughs> finally, it has happened to us in Alberta because we are losers. Anyway. <laughs> I know numbers are up all over the place, like, mm-hmm. but Alberta in particular, um, let me tell you something about leadership because yes, it is very hard being a leader in any part of the world at any given time. COVID is not something, you know, a lot of people are saying, I didn't sign up for this. Leadership is about encouraging people. It's about rallying people's spirits. It's about lifting people up. You know, it's not about always getting it right. It's not about always making the right choices. It's not about, you know, endlessly doing the the right thing that's successful. That's not what leadership is. You know, when when I look at people in history that we've all admired and looked at, whether it's Joan of Arc taking a ragtag group of soldiers and, you know, fighting to the ends of the world, I mean, historically, um, or Winston Churchill making that beautiful speech to English people, this small little fricking island in the middle of the, the ocean, you know, we will fight them from the air. We will fight them from the sea. We will fight them from the, he, he changed the course of a world war with his oration. So when you look at, you know, someone like Jason Kenney in Alberta, say what you will, it, it is glaringly obvious that it's, he's, some people are just not built to lead and it, it's it it times like this. It's not about politics. It's about it's about leading people in a way that is coherent and responsible. And more than anything, and then we can move on. Lifting spirits and making people feel like there's there's hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's not a train coming at you. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say because it's been very, very frustrating to watch. I know every province in this country has talked about mixed messaging during this time. Like, once again, we were talking about this last week, Caitlin. Uh, let me get this right. I, can, I can't have three people in my house, but I can go to a casino and meet 10 of my friends and have drinks and play slot machines. So you cannot tell me. There's not a person that can stand in front of you and go, that's a clear message about behavior. Anyway, yeah. moving on. I, I do think, though, that we fall prey a lot in Canada, thanks to our neighbors to the south, of comparing ourselves to the U.S. and going, well, we've nailed it. <laughs> that <laughs> is the last point of comparison. If we lived north of New Zealand or South Korea right now, we'd be going, ah, damn it. And so that's those are the countries that you compare yourself to. Compare yourself to places that went into um covid and they saw the cases go very up and, strict regulations well like and i mean you know everyone was those like, well, countries you know. literally locked it down 
Well, like New Zealand said, you know, everyone would be like, okay, well, they have a smaller population. Sure. Let's look instead to South Korea, where they had the MERS outbreak, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome outbreak. They learned from it. Did here in Toronto, we learn from SARS? Absolutely not, apparently. So we learned nothing from the same type of respiratory illness that South Korea chose to learn from and plan for. South Korea has more people than us. They have a lower GDP and they have they have done fair, like way, way better when it comes to contact tracing, when it came to testing right away. Their testing system was so robust, their contact tracing system was so great that they got their citizens back to some semblance of normal life with new public health measures in place. They were able to reopen businesses. They did all this stuff. And so, you know, New Zealand did this, the strict, strict lockdown. <sighs> but South Korea figured it out logistically using science. And Canada sat here and we 30 years ago sold off our one vaccine production facility. And in the meantime, we learned nothing from SARS. We didn't keep our PPE up. We didn't have testing in place. Our contact tracing stinks. Yeah, we're frustrated. Canadians are frustrated. There you go. Anyway, that's my rant. No, and, and that's true. <laughs> no, no, it's good. And I and I think, um, you know, and if, if we look at the other side, if you want to call it that for a second, of people, you know, once again, feeling that their rights, their there is being impeded because of having to wear a mask that's finally been mandated in Alberta. So even mm. Jason Kenny actually stood back, took advice from Dina Henshaw, who has been miraculous during this whole thing. We, we've, we've had so many female women, uh, health, um, care provider, workers, leaders in every province, it seems to be these wonderful women that have stepped forward to kind of be the voice of reason. And Dina Hinshaw is ours here in Alberta. And I think he finally took her advice. And I think uh, three weeks ago, when they first started down this road of, of putting, you know, some something in place, some restrictions in place, people were like, did anything change? No. Anyway, <laughs> I think he finally followed her instructions of going, this is, this is going to get worse. Uh, healthcare workers here have been really saying, listen, we are drowning. Uh, we're disappearing beds. We can't keep up with this. I mean, just, just statistically do the math. We're not going to be able to keep up. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're not going to be able to keep up, the healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed. And if you fall into a camp where you say to yourself, I'm really not in favor of these lockdowns. They've cost me my business. They've cost me a ton of money. They've cost me my dang sanity. Th then at least I'd like everybody to agree that we need to then invest in science so that we can live alongside the virus as other countries have done, where they prioritize testing, they prioritize contact tracing and case management followed. And that's the part that I think we should all find the midpoint on where you're like, can I ask we you could this question? <laughs> like why, why, if you and I are having this conversation, <laughs> if you and I are having this conversation, I barely graduated high school. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's glaringly obvious, uh, glare, glaringly obvious most times. Um, but if we're having this conversation, surely to God in heaven, somebody in a boardroom somewhere has had the same discussion. We, my, my, my very dumb person take is that I don't think based on how this has gone, we've invested enough in public health over the years. Again, we compare ourselves to the dumpster fire in the U.S. and say, <laughs> we have such a great public health system. And we do. I love our public health care. I love our public health care workers. I love our frontliners. But when it comes to things like planning for this, when we did have warning with SARS here, especially in Toronto, especially in Ontario, 
I just think it's a failure on all on all levels of government across every party. We had a liberal government here for a long time that clearly didn't make enough plans for this. The PCs are in now. So it's not about, like you said, it's not one specific party. It's not political. It's just we know we need to step up our public health measures now. I mean, <laughs> you look over it. They saw that pop up of all those minks that caught the coronavirus, a new strain of the coro- this coronavirus or COVID-19 in yes. Denmark. So like, it's really, look at, it's only a matter of time before another virus care of close contact with animals comes and knocking on our door. Let's be prepared next time. Well, and we are going to, we do have some fun stuff to talk about today, but I mean, like I, obviously, <laughs> oh, like my microwave, microwave. But, it, it, but finally, just to kind of summarize from my point of view, um, I think, you know, talking about leadership, that's sort of how we started this program is talking about leadership and that it is difficult and that is it is very hard having, you know, that consensus where everybody is backing you up, that you have your entire populace going, they're so great. And I understand that it is difficult. Damned if you do, damned if you do, somebody said to me yesterday. And I thought that was so <laughs> funny. Um, having said that, It is up to us as individuals to use our integrity, our our caring of other people, um, just that, just dignity and and common sense. And and I know common sense isn't common, but to do the right things. We can't always wait for a government to say, hey, you know, put that seatbelt on. That's the law. You know, it makes sense. Strap your kids in. You know, you can't always wait for some kind of government, federally, provincially, whatever, to tell you what to do. It's yeah. up to us as a population to, to, to use our sense. You know, you're not going to, you know, pour gasoline on a neighbor's fire. And that's what <laughs> I liken this to. You know, we live in times where I, I feel like not protecting yourself, not wearing a mask, not doing social distancing, not practicing the, the, you know, not participating in gatherings or drinking beer in a bar. Economy aside, you don't throw gasoline on a fire. It just doesn't make sense. So we have to take it upon ourselves individually. Okay, we have a couple minutes left in this first part of the show. And we need to talk about Nigella Lawson. A, I love Nigella Lawson. I find her very beautiful. I probably have a crush on her that I don't even want to really accept. I know, get in line, right? Yeah. (laughs) The way she talks about food is ridiculous. It's just beautiful. It's She's lovely. Yes, that is. Anyway, so Caitlin, you brought the story to the table. Just explain what's going on here. All hell is broken loose because she didn't pronounce microwave right. She is doing a, she's doing a cooking show. She is uh, covering a recipe for mashed potatoes. I believe it was listen to her pronunciation of how, of how she pronounces microwave. A bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. I find that very sexy. <laughs> Micro wave. I mean, even when, if you are British and you have like a posh British accent, no matter how you mispronounce something, it still sounds classy out of her. <laughs> Listen, to me, she's the ASMR. Like I, I'm actually now yeah. going to just put, because of this, mm-hmm. I'm now just going to listen to her at night. I love the Calm app. Calm app could sponsor us in a second if they wanted to, because we love them here at the Jan Arden (laughs) show. But um, yeah, she's got a beautiful voice, but she does does. get quite, I mean, you talk about superlatives and $300 words that she throws around (laughs) in that show. I have actually watched a cooking show where I've like, 
Jesus, I have to look that up. I have no idea what that word is. And she's describing a green bean. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to come back. We have lots to talk about. Thank you so much for coming and spending your time with us today. This is the Jan Arden Podcast. Hey, we're back. This is segment two. And uh, just just for those of you uh, with your stopwatch at home, it's eight minutes long. And so That's right. eight minutes. this is what happened to us on the break, everybody. So basically we do these segments and then we kind of, we often just get talking about what everyone's doing or if, you know, Adam's furnace has blown up, which it did this morning. We kind of <laughs> talked about that. So what happened on this break is we were still going off on why we find ourselves in this position. And I kept saying to us, look at the three of us are not NASA scientists. We, you know, I barely finished high school. You know, we all feel like we're somewhat intelligent, but we're not scientists, but we're having conversations. We're like, why isn't anyone else talking about this? They must be. So Caitlin, let's talk a little bit about South Korea and, yeah. and, and, and some parallels that are glaringly obvious because we are hearing people going, oh, I have to shut my business down again. And this, blah, blah, and you guys and you people with masks. And so Caitlin, the I floor feel, is I- yours. I, well, I just feel for, I feel for small business owners. I know people who own their own businesses and their own restaurants and they're being asked to close down again and it sucks for them. They're at risk of losing it. You got people who are, you know, they're thinking to themselves and I, I relate to it. They're like, statistically speaking, it's very unlikely that I catch COVID, but what is a 100% guarantee is that this next lockdown is about to make me lose my business. It's going to impact my family financially. It's going to impact the mental health of my, my loved ones as a yeah. result of us going broke. We're going on CERB, blah, blah, blah. And that's a guarantee for them versus the very small chance that they catch COVID and then the even smaller chance that it's fatal for them. So yes. when people start weighing risks, that's when they get angry. What always takes me off about this <laughs> is that I think that there was another option and that option we saw play out in real time in other countries. And they planned for this. They got tests available out to their hospitals right away. So when people came in with this flu, they tested them. They knew right away you, were, you had COVID. They isolated. And then they enacted a very, very aggressive contact tracing system so that the first cases that hit South Korea, they contained it. They contained it quickly and effectively. And South Korea was hit harder than we were initially. They were, I think they had the second highest initial infection rates following China. And they have an incredibly dense population in Seoul. And they have major, major cities. They have more people than we do in Canada. And their GDP is lower. So and you also think of the Korean War, not that long ago. Famine, not that long ago for them in terms of history. So Mm -hmm. this is a country that doesn't have exactly the same background as us. They've faced some other hardships, all to say they handled it really, really stinking well. And, you know, they've got great public health measures in place. Everyone was cool with masks. You washed your hands. You did all that. But they had contact tracing apps. Nobody put up a fuss about it. Oh, what are they looking at on my phone? They just got it. Government was like, no choice. You're getting this contact tracing app. And I mean, I have the COVID alert app on my phone. Well, I think, I think, I think, I think those, those countries are used to a much bigger government federal presence in their lives. And, but, but because they're very used to it and it has been probably 50 or 60 years of that kind of big brothers watching you, they don't question that. They don't question the authority. So in, so in my mind's eye, in countries like that, like China, uh, South Korea, they're just like, we're going to do what we were told to do. And that's problematic here is that people, because we live in such a free society, people are very reluctant to do what they're told to do because they feel like they're somehow giving up their 
right to be a human being walking on the planet. And that's not it at all. You have to have order when you're trying to tackle an invisible enemy like this. You have to have organization. That's the thing. As a general blanket rule for living your life day to day in society outside of a pandemic, I'm not a huge fan of it either. I don't want the government telling me what to do. I know. Who does? But when you're in this situation and you say to yourself, this is an infectious disease that you catch by being out in public, it makes sense to think as a group. And so that is when you're dealing with this situation specifically. To me, it seemed to make sense to approach it in the way that other countries did. Now, you know, New Zealand, they went into the craziest lockdown ever. I don't know that that necessarily would have solved all the people's problems here who are complaining about the lockdown that we put in place. But I do think that science could really have helped us out. And again, we've gone through, we've been in a great position this week where Health Canada approved the Pfizer vaccine. It's crazy. This this virus has been around for less than a year, and we have effective vaccines. Like I know, one, it's, it, it's, it's a wonderful. miracle. It is. It's it is. wonderful, and and uh, there should be a lot of cheering. And once again, science. All of us can say what we you know deniers or vaccine deniers. I'll tell you what. It, it is so impressive to see young men and women that have been working um, side by side globally. They've been sharing information. You know, even these big companies, they knew if they needed to tackle this, they were sharing information of what measures that they were taking, what ground they were breaking. It's been exciting to watch. I mean, normally, I didn't know a lot about vaccines until obviously this year. But Mm. some of these things have taken 10, 15 years longer than that Mm -hmm. to develop vaccines that are effective, safe. And here we are, eight and a half months in, with something that they're making millions of doses of. Canada is expected to have 265,000 doses Mm -hmm. in the next month or so. And then another 2 million on the way, obviously for the people that are most vulnerable, our healthcare workers, my gosh, to get our healthcare workers, you know, inoculated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm so happy for them. When you see the long-term care home uh, vaccination rates hit a nice healthy level, you'll notice the fatalities for COVID just start to drop. That's the hope. And it's just one of those things where a lot of people are uncomfortable. And I certainly understand why, because as you said, we don't usually have to know anything about vaccines in our day-to-day life. Why would we? But what's important to remember is that as much as this is, yes, a quote, new vaccine, they're playing off and they're using tons and tons of older medical information, existing medical information on coronaviruses, existing medical information on things like the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, South Asian Respiratory Syndrome. They're using all that data to help them with this vaccine. So yes, Yes. technically it's new, but a lot of the research was already there. That's why they did it so quickly. So one more time, it doesn't have to be political. We can just all appreciate science and listen to science. Science, science, and science. I love it. I'm really grateful for people that have pursued that in their lives that have spent, you know, 80, 100,000, $200,000 to educate themselves. I think we're, I think what this virus has done is really made us appreciate people from every walk of life that contribute to each and every one of us stepping out our door in the morning and having a livable functioning life. And it's changed the way we think about the people that we walk shoulder to shoulder with down the street. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's uh, Saturday, December the 12th. 
And uh, for those of you that don't know this, this is going to, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to hear. Are you ready? <laughs> you are officially, you've already missed the deadline to break up, <laughs> to break up <laughs> with the person that you freaking don't want to spend Christmas with. So the deadline has come and gone. I'm not exactly sure when it was. It might've been Thursday. It might've been yesterday, but yeah, it's too late. Um, you can't break up with them now <laughs> because you will just, you will look like an a-hole and sure. it's just, so yeah. So this break is a break up. That's come on, Jerry. You know, this isn't easy for me. I think relationship experts, I think they say it's like December 10th or something. I forget the exact date, but it did come and go. So if you were trying to get out of a, a relationship and didn't want to buy someone a, a Christmas <laughs> present so and you didn't want to have dinner with their family at Christmas, I'm sorry. It is officially too close to Christmas and you'll be considered rude. <laughs> oh, That's a have, good you one. Ever been, have you ever been broken up at Christmas time? Anybody? Any of you twos as guises? No. Nope. I did break up with someone around Christmas. <laughs> Do tell. I broke up with somebody in December, knowing that it was December season. And I was just like, nah, not for me. <laughs> well, yesterday was the day. It's just so funny. Like, don't you ever think about who comes up with this stuff? Like, who says that you can't do it Christmas Eve? Like, oh, that'd be that brutal. would be so bad. I think I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, and I'm not going to say any names. But my friend, who used to work with me years ago, um, married for a long time. They had just done a huge reno on their house, living beside. They'd moved beside my friend's parents, so they did this reno. You know, her parents are getting older. They looked like their relationship was moving forward. They were talking about kids, yada yada yada. Valentine's Day. He comes in with flowers and said, I want a divorce. So, and, and this sent my friend into such a dark place. I still think about it and it just makes me, anyway, oh. like, come on. Did he have what? like bodies under the stairs? Who does this? You have to be like a serial killer. I don't, killer to I don't do that. understand how, I almost feel like he had some kind of a breakdown and had, thought about it for so long they got doing the house he felt like mm -hmm. he couldn't get out everything moved on and and i think you get to the point where it it makes no sense um but yeah i wouldn't want to be broken up with christmas eve or no Christmas day it, it's such a difficult time that's um, what i was gonna say it's a bummer of a season for lots of people anyways because you deal with so many expectations of perfect this and perfect that around the holidays that I think that that overwhelms a lot of people and can be particularly hard for them. So you definitely don't want to add insult to injury by breaking up with someone too close to Christmas. I kind of agree. Like if you're within the two weeks to Christmas range, I don't know. I'm not going to recommend doing it because some people like they might be like, you know what? I can't go another day. And then you do you, but I might stick it out. If it wasn't a truly terrible disaster relationship, <laughs> I'd probably just get them a gift and be like, okay, I guess I'm dealing with this next year. All right. If you want to have sex with me, okay, let's just do it one more time. A little to the left. No, okay, all right. Um, a whopping 32% of people believe that keeping the relationship going until at least January mm -hmm. is the right, decent thing to do. 
So maybe I'm wrong. That could be stupid also, but maybe I'm not doing anyone any favors. I mean, this happened with a not very serious relationship for me. So I'm not speaking from a place of like talking about a divorce. That's terrible. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. It'd be too close. If I'm ever in a relationship again, I'm going to really like really be mindful about December because apparently the first two weeks of December is the most popular time to break up with people. I Statistically, that. it is the most popular time. Oh my God. Do it in the summer. I <laughs> do it in the, the summer. summer. You're right. Because now in the, like in the summer, you can like get out there and meet people and put your short shorts on or whatever you do. If you're single, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. That's forever. what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going <laughs> to do. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, that's a depressing time. Your shorts need to be longer than your private parts ladies <laughs> anyways we don't have to worry about that for at least four or five months um it's 20 below here today uh i don't know what happened overnight but it really got Christmassy. we have a dusting of snow on everything and i actually feel pretty cheery oh. I, in, in lieu of everything going on around me i think uh the vaccine has just really injected a lot of hope and, and positivity into my life. I see what you did there with injected. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you go ahead. You take my lead. You, I, I want to see where you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, has it been like a, a shot of positivity? <laughs> it's been a real shot of positivity. <laughs> that was good. I feel like everyone kind of felt this way this week. It was a, it was a piece of, Good news. No, it's not going to happen overnight. But yeah, Canada was like, we'll take it. This second wave has been a real bummer. And uh, we, I liked seeing that approval. It was fun. Twitter changed. I noticed oh, Twitter went did from, it, it. I know. Yeah. And here, I, I'm sorry, I just keeps kind of the pendulum keeps swinging back to it. But I felt a real sense of joy the last few days because I thought, oh, my gosh, we've been so reluctant about being hopeful. And I just thrown myself into it. I woke up this morning feeling really happy. I was like whistling like a Disney character as I went and fed the birds. And yesterday I had the most beautiful experience. It started out bad. I was on my elliptical machine. I look out the window. I'm thinking, what's on the ground? And it's this little bird. He's all puffed up. It was like a gross beak, I think they're called. And a little red head and... Anyway, he had, I knew he was in trouble because I went out and he didn't move and he had his head under his wing and he was shivering because it was cold. So I just said, Mom, I need you because I'm kind of scared to pick birds up. I, I can't tell you that I'm cavalier about it. I'm not. Although I help a lot of birds, I'm still tentative. Huh. I picked him up. I put, him, I put a coat in a box. He was so mad at me when I picked him up and put him in there. And I covered him up with sleeves and I brought him up you know, into the house. And I just, my mom was like right there. She's like, you got to let them warm up. They've just knocked the sense out of themselves. So um, I put them in the box. I kept looking in there. I went and got a spoon. I put some water in it. Mom said, just set it by his beak. You just put it there. You'd be surprised. A little bit of water gets in there. You'd be surprised. And I could hear my mom. So I'm holding the spoon there. The bird is like, I don't want that effing spoon near my head. Like, anyway, so then he kind of was looking like more energetic and I took him outside and I flipped the sleeve off of the coat to kind of open a little hole in the box where he could, he popped up and I'm thinking, Oh, he's going to take off. And he flew and hit the side of the railing oh, of no. my patio. 
I'm like, oh gosh, this is all on my Instagram story. It might still be there if you guys want to check it out. Um, uh, I should probably save it. Maybe I'll save it. Anyway, yeah. so then he actually flew away. So fast forward to this morning. I'm feeling triumphant. I, this morning I'm like, da, 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 da. I'm feeding the birds. I go out and on my bird table, I kid you not, puffed up was a bird that would not move. Like I'm like, I'm going, I'm about to pour the seeds on here. You might want to move. It looked exactly like the bird I helped yesterday. I know this sounds really flighty Amazing. and silly. And I, I felt like crying because he just sat there and he looked at me and his little head went to the side <laughs> and I dumped the peanuts and the seeds on the table. He didn't move and he picked up a peanut and he flitted off. Aww. Anyway, that's my little Amazing. positive story of the day, but it, it just, my heart has been happy with just simple things and the hope of just life, just life being the, the charming, beautiful, exquisite thing that it is. And I hope as we go forward, we all find ourselves being more grateful for our loved ones, our friendships, our jobs, the food on our table, the air in our lungs, um, walking down a street, taking a bike ride around a friggin' lake, the gratitude, do you know what I mean? Just the gratitude yeah. of everything. Yes. And that has been the lesson. I hope going forward, we, we just hold our kids a little longer and harder. Not that I have children, but if you guys, Caitlin, I'm wondering if I could borrow your child. You can. Um, in, you definitely in, can. Because I'm going to be incontinent probably within the next 10 years and I will need help <laughs> wiping my butt. And I, I'm going to. Please, please take him and show him the way. Let him save some birds. Teach him compassion. I'm all for it. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to the Jan Arden podcast, and we will return. Welcome back to the Jan Arden podcast and show. I'm with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. I have not dreamt about sleeping with a lot of celebrities, to be honest. Ooh. Oh, like, but the one that I have had more than once is getting ready for it. And I'm not ki- I wish I was kidding. Johnny Depp. Really? Oh, explicit. And I wake up going, Johnny Depp. Like, honestly, could it not be Nigella Lawson? Like, I, but no, that's not what happens. And I'm with Johnny Depp, and I'm, I'm very, very self-conscious about my body, which doesn't surprise me. In my dream, I'm self-conscious. That's anyway, so Johnny, funny. so Johnny Depp is having some awkward workplace. Um, hook up things coming back to haunt him. I don't know if you guys know a lot about this, but his reputation has taken a huge hit during this uh, UK defamation case, because now he is poised to take an even bigger hit as he's got (laughs) an American defamation case coming up. And I I don't know if anyone cares about this, but we do here at the Jan Arden show. Um, There's been shocking details uncovered about Johnny's life. And the big thing is that he was allegedly romantic with, I think we can guess this already. Angelina Jolie, Marion Cotillard, um, and Kira Knightley. And even kind of, I mean, I feel bad for these women, to be honest. Yeah. They have to turn over all responsive communications with the actresses <laughs> as part of the case. Um, he is seeking... $50 million in the suit over a December 18, 2018 essay by his ex-wife, Amber Heard. So what does this mean, Caitlin? What's your take on it? 
He's got to cough up like emails and texts and everything between Angelina, Marianne, 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 Marianne Cotillard and And, Kira. uh, Yeah. Kira. Well, I love how they said responsive. So like, I'm assuming if somebody left him on red, we're not going to have to find out about that. So maybe we'll save him that embarrassment, but any sort of back and forth that he had with these women who he was allegedly involved romantically with while they were working on films together, um, they want to know about it and they want to know about it. And this is the problem. This is why I think so many people and of course, celebrities included don't want to get involved ever in like lawsuits. If you're ever watching law and order and people are like, Oh, I don't want to take the stand. And you're like, why would they want to? Yeah. You're like, why would they want to take the stand? Defend yourself. You're like, because someone's going to dig up sex from 10 years ago, maybe as part of the When did you dream about Johnny Depp? Well, it was, it it started out innocently enough. But then we were on a horse, nude, riding backwards, and I just didn't know. Anyway, no wait, was it Charlie asking, and the Chocolate Factory, Johnny Depp, or was it Jack Sparrow, Johnny oh, Depp? Oh, that's a good question. I'm gonna that's go. Gross. No, I'm just gonna go with kind of like Johnny Depp, who hasn't showered in okay. probably a month and has dirty <laughs> nails and a lot of jewelry, but he did okay. look very good. And I and I remember in the dream thinking, I can't believe he wants to sleep with me. So, you know, dreams are funny things. I honestly have never had any interest in the man. I mean, that's fine. I I just, I just don't, I don't know why that person is in you. Who can control dreams? People write me on a fairly regular basis about dreams they've had about me. And trust me, (gasps) much of the time I'm very uncomfortable about it. I don't like like that. I wouldn't want someone telling me that. Hey Jan, last night you and I were like, it's very weird. I don't think I would ever have written Johnny Depp to tell him that he was in my dreams. <laughs> and in the future, if you want to write me about me being in your dreams, please, please keep it. Please you know. keep it to yourself, between yourself and your psyche. So you're probably wondering, I think people might ask the question, why is he having to surrender emails and texts and stuff like that? Well, what's happened is he, because he wants $50 million from Amber Heard, who wrote this essay. I, I kind of an op-ed piece in the Washington Post, which she wrote about the abuse, which is very well documented, and she won in the UK. Like that, she didn't get overturned there. So in the States now, because this lawsuit is happening over here, um, he was arguing that he didn't want past romantic partners being brought up. And I guess these are the past romantic partners. So yeah. all these women kind of have to come forward and I hope, would they end up on the stand? Like, I don't know much how this works. I mean, like, I don't think it's going to be a full courtroom drama, or I hope not. It wouldn't be. They might be deposed, like, in, like, a boardroom somewhere. But I just think to myself, okay, so you're you're Kira Knightley, you're Marion Cotillard or Angelina Jolie or whatever, and you're working on a movie with Johnny Depp, and as a lot of people do, you wind up hooking up while you're on set. It happens. Now, everyone's digging this up years later. Your, your tawdry workplace affair is going to have to be like uncovered in a boardroom where everyone's reading out your text messages. It's just the worst case imaginable. Like everyone tells you, you know, don't, don't go where you eat kind of thing when it comes to office romances. Anyways, this is like the worst case scenario I could ever imagine. If you hooked up with somebody you worked with is that later it's somehow involved in a lawsuit. Okay. In, In my early days, and let's keep in mind there was alcohol involved. (laughs) When I was in bands like streaming around in the 80s in British Columbia and Northern Alberta and the Yukon, I may have been entangled with some of the fellas in the band. 
And, you know, yeah, you're on a bus. Uh-huh. And, and if, if I had to actually go to court and sit in a stand and somehow explain or talk about the, I mean, if I had someone asking me questions, I, I, I don't, I would be mortified. Anyway, this thing all takes place 2021 in Virginia early next year. So oh, I think, you know, we will, we promise you, dear uh, Jan Arden show listeners that we are going to give you updates <laughs> as just what happens with, with Ange, Kira, and uh, Marion. And we're going to let you know just what tawdry things come up. I think the best part of this whole topic that happened was you revealing that you've had um, sensual dreams about Johnny Depp, which I would never have guessed. <laughs> I, it's so random. Um, uh, I was going to bring up something else, but I, even I am I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop because there was okay. also, well, maybe I won't. But there was one, and I'm not going to name him, but okay. it was uh, a guy I went to, to high school with, and I have probably had more dreams about him in my life um, than any other person. I, I, I'm telling you, I will never understand it. I wake up, I sit bolt upright in bed, and I'm like, what is Why? Like, you- I don't know. He, he lived down the road from us when I was growing up. I was fascinated with him. He was handsome and athletic and um, I don't, it's just, it, it, it baffles me. It baffles me. Yeah. I've had those dreams too, where you wake up and you, like you said, you're going really that person, like that person. <laughs> well, and I, and I know there's people like, well, oh my God, I thought Jan was gay. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm telling you, sexuality is so complicated that, you know, any of you folks listening, it is just like, I mean, I'm absolutely a bisexual person. There's no question about it. And I've had relationships with both my entire life. That's not a big secret, but I, um, yeah, I dream, like your sub, your, your, your subconscious mind. I can't do anything about that. I don't yeah. know, but a guy from high school, I so badly want to name him, but I would never want to embarrass him to his family or him or anybody else. But wow, it's just, it just baffles me every time. Welcome to the Jan Arden podcast. We have we have talked about a lot of different things today, but we have. But Johnny, the dream thing came up because Johnny Depp is in a little bit of hot water. So anyhow, I relate to the feeling of waking up and saying like, "What was my brain thinking?" Because <laughs> I even as like as a straight person had a X-rated dream about Halsey, the singer, one time. Cross my heart. Hope- and we play her a lot on the radio yeah she's attractive so i was like oh i don't know why my brain tossed that up anyways (laughs) t-minus i'm not joking you less than a week later (laughs) i get an email saying hey halsey's gonna be in town around canadian thanksgiving do you want to interview her and i ended up interviewing her in person within like two weeks of having this dream and i thought hey maybe my brain like put it out in the universe interesting Lovely interview, beautiful person, would totally make out with her, apparently. And <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. And it was just funny to me. Like, the, it was very, very coincidental. She was a great interview. <laughs> one, of my, one of my band guys came to me once. I'm not going to say his name. But he, this is like, it, like 20 years ago. He came into me really earnestly. We're having coffee. We, we're on tour. We're on, sitting on the bus. He goes, I had the weirdest dream. He said, I had crazy sex with Billy Joel last night. <laughs> I, you know, and, and he's married and, you know, kids yeah. and 
But he was just so earnest about it. He goes, it was a great dream. Yeah. And I, and he was just so forthright about it that I thought that is so cool. That here's this man just <laughs> saying, yeah, it was a crazy dream about Billy Joel. I mean, it was, it was just out there. So anyway, <laughs> dreams are not any things. Um, before we go, I, I, can I, I just want to brag a bit because it was a really special week for me. Last week, my office phoned me. They said, we have a, pretty amazing job, not job, an opportunity that came across your table. There's a very famous guy, world famous musician. He's got a new record coming out December the 18th. There's 12 songs on it. Him and his team have chosen 12 people from around the world, from each uh, Canada, the US, Australia. You know what, I, you get the drill, right? All these different yeah. territories. He said, you have been chosen for Canada. <gasps> I'm like, what, 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 what do I have to, what? Well, it was Paul McCartney. What? And yes, Paul McCartney. And so yesterday, um, I did a I, I, what I I heard a song off the record, and then my friend Russ and I did an, an adaptation of the song, like a cover of it. And Paul McCartney like retweeted it. We filmed. I, I did a little film doing it, and so yeah, it got it was part of the twelve days of Paul McCartney. And uh, I'm so honored. If I you would have told my 14 year old self that I would be doing a cover of a Paul McCartney song. His album's out December the 18th. I don't know when any of our covers come out, maybe next year. I don't know what they're going to do with them, but you can check out my little 30 second clip of my rendition of lavatory Lil, which oh. Paul says was written about in the, like in the seventies about uh, a very uh, woman that was drove them all bonkers and was anyway, it's That's been amazing. a really to see Paul McCartney retweeting this video clip. Uh, I will just never forget it as long as I live. So let's Paul get McCartney him on the show. three, yeah, let's get him. Paul McCartney three comes out December the eighteenth. Pick up the album, and uh, we'll let you know if they do anything with my cover. You've been listening to the Jen Arden podcast. Thank you. Subscribe. Hit that button. It'll remind you every week that we're on. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to all our the the stations that play our our show. We're so grateful and. Um, Look after yourselves. Be safe. Be positive. We will get there, folks. Please, Yay. please, please don't be down. Um, we're human beings. We're built for change. We were built to overcome obstacles. We were built. We were built to adapt. We've been here for so long. I know Adam's giving me the spin around, but be of good cheer. <laughs> be of good cheer. We are gonna get there. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Totally do. Look out for lavatory lil. Look out for lavatory lil. You think that she's a winner when she's cooking you your dinner, but she's really moving in with a kill. Lavatory lil. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.